Welcome to the Bliss Angle. Welcome to the Bliss Angle. I'm Alex Pavlov, joined today by Dr. John Green from the Bliss Institute of Applied Politics here at the University of Akron. Dr. Dr. Green, um, Donald Trump is is in Akron today, and why is he here? What's what's the strategic value of coming to Akron, Ohio? Well, you know, presidential candidates tend to come a lot to Ohio because Ohio's a, a swing state and perhaps the quintessential battleground state in the country. But I think for Donald Trump, it's particularly important, and particularly important to be in northeastern Ohio, in Youngstown, and Akron, and Canton, in Cleveland, because of the appeal he has to working class voters. Now, Donald Trump can't win Ohio or the national election unless he gets more than white working class voters. But there's a real opportunity to take a group that still substantially votes Democratic in northeastern Ohio and put it in the Republican column. And frankly, a rally in Akron, as in any of the major cities in northeastern Ohio, is a very good place to find those people and to appeal for their vote. So I'm not at all surprised that he was in Akron. In fact, as you may remember, right after the Republican convention, there was a, uh, originally Trump was going to come down from Cleveland to Akron, and that didn't work out. So I'm not surprised he's back. He may be back a couple of times more. There were a lot of scurrying staffers that week. Um, but it looks like the event you know, went, went well today. Um, looking at the Summit County area, uh, where, where are those white working class voters clustered? Well, they're found in several different places. In Akron, they're found in the southern neighborhoods of Akron. Some of them that were once independent cities, but are now incorporated into the city like Kenmore. Uh, Others are still separate cities like Barberton. You still have a lot of working class people because believe it or not, we still have a lot of industry in Summit County. You find some of them uh, a little bit north of here um, in the uh, northern suburbs and rural areas of the county, but mostly in the southern area. And then if you get down into Canton, which in, in, in media terms is really part of the greater Akron market, got a lot of those folks in Canton itself, but also in its in it, uh, surrounding areas. And then if you go a little bit farther north into southern Cuyahoga County, you can find a lot of those folks in places like Parma. And so, you know, there, there really are uh, traditional working class neighborhoods, um, not as numerous a uh, number of voters as there used to be, but still a significant voting block. And Donald Trump, you know, harped on on um, that that message to the white working class voter today about your jobs have left and I will bring them back through a more fair trade policy. Do you think that message resonates with these voters? You know, I really think it does. It resonates in two ways. In one sense, uh, people have have been harmed by the changing job structure. Some of that comes from foreign trade, some of that comes from automation, some of that comes from immigration, some of it comes from the different skill levels of workers today, but nonetheless, there are people who have really been hurt. But you know, I think it's a broader issue because in those same areas where people have been hurt by these, the changing structure of jobs, uh, some people have really benefited as well. So we see the, in this part of Ohio, we really see the clash between the new economy and the old economy. And many of the people who are associated with the old economy, it's not so much that they've been hurt personally, although many of them have, it's that their vision of America is very, very different. And so, for instance, if you take words like security, means something very different to them, borders, than it does to people who, for one reason or another, are engaged in international trade, part of the global market, 
part of the sort of high-tech manufacturing that's becoming increasingly common. And part of this, I think, frankly, in both cases, people who have been personally hurt by the change in jobs and those who just have a different vision of America, there's a nostalgia for the America of 20, 30, 40 years ago. Now, believe it or not, I was around then, <laughs> and it wasn't perfect either, but there were some things that worked very well at that time. There were people with high school educations and good work ethics who could own a home, who could send their kids to college, and that's increasingly difficult uh, for people of that skill level. So I, I think his message resonates very strongly here in Ohio, and it's interesting because in some ways we see a parallel development on the Democratic side. Thanks in part because of Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton has now become very skeptical of trade, uh, even though she and her husband, like many other politicians in America in both political parties, have were previously strongly supportive of the uh, free trade and the change in the job structure because, frankly, in the long run, that helps a lot of people, but we vote in the short run. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, Trump's message is likely to resonate with many voters. So a key piece of kind of the Trump platform um, from, from the very get-go through the primary, now in the general election, has been immigration. He's going to build this wall, make Mexico pay for it. Uh, but Ohio has largely been kind of uh, skipped on, on the uh, immigration wave from Latin America. Do you think the immigration piece also plays with those voters? Well, you know, I think that the immigration piece does play because there's a mix of important issues here. <clears throat> Free trade, national security, and immigration. They kind of reinforce each other. But the immigration leg of that triangle, if you will, is not as strong in Ohio because, as you pointed out, we don't have as many immigrants from Latin America. But actually, Ohio has near record numbers of immigrants, but they tend to come from Asia, from Africa, or from Europe, particularly from Eastern Europe and Southern Europe, where there's been a long history of immigrants into this area. But people don't tend to see that kind of immigration as negative, because many of the people who come here have high levels of education, high status jobs. It's kind of clear to people how they contribute to the economy. Very different, say, than Texas, Mexico, or Arizona, where many of the immigrants from Latin America, legal or illegal, tend to have lower levels of education. It's not entirely clear to people how they contribute to the economy. Well, you know, Alex, um, you were at the Trump rally here at, at, at the in Akron on the University of Akron campus. This is John Green, the director of the Bliss Institute, speaking to Alice Pavlov, one of our students in the uh, Applied Politics program here at the University of Akron. Tell me, what was the rally like? So this is this is the third time I've seen Donald Trump live. Uh, I had the opportunity to see him in South Carolina uh, on one of the Bliss Institute trips uh, right before the South Carolina primary. And then I had the opportunity to see him at the Republican National Convention, uh, again, through the Bliss Institute. Um, and one of our class trips uh, to the conventions. Um, and comparing the rally today to those two instances, I think this presentation of Donald Trump was much more similar to the convention presentation. He used the teleprompter, he largely stayed on script, which contrasts with kind of the, the Trump we saw in the South Carolina primary, which was largely off the cuff, uh, and he jumped from policy point to policy point, whereas in this speech, as well as the acceptance speech at the convention, there are very clear sections. You know, there's the, the, the national security section and uh, the jobs and economy section and, of course, the attack your opponent section. Um, and, and it was, I, I think, uh, a little more coherent and I, I think uh, a little less prone to gaffing. 
So it appears to, that we have the more disciplined, on-message Donald Trump. But would you say it was a kinder and gentler Donald Trump? Absolutely not. Um, you know, the, the same vigor is, is still there. Um, the, same, the same enthusiasm. You know, he's, he's reading the scripted speech, um, but his speaking style is, is very much abrasive. And that resonates with, with his voters. Um, and so that was still there. You can put a script in front of him, but uh, you know you're still going to have the same uh, accentuating very loudly um, at certain points. I think uh, he'll stay on script, but um, you know he's not going to change the show very much otherwise. Well, you know it's interesting listening to it on uh, over uh, live feed on the internet. I was impressed by two things, and I'd like your views on this. One is it, it seemed like a genuinely populist speech in the sense that he appealed over and over again to the people in a general sense. And a couple of points in, the, in his speech where he talked about how I will fight for you, we believe in equality for everyone, um, it's, it could have been lines that Hillary Clinton might have said in Akron. Yeah, it was fascinating. Um, you know, you, you have a, a, a nominee here talking about uh, equality, um, and, and talking about wages and how the, the wages have not increased against inflation. I mean, these, these are tried and true Democratic talking points, and here they're coming from the Republican nominee. And, and I think he's channeling that economic populism. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of voters he have that, that live in those, those white working-class neighborhoods that are approaching the end of their career and have voted Democrat their entire life, but now they're looking around saying, well, you know, I voted Democrat my entire life, and... You know where where was everything that I was promised? Where where is it? And and a message where um, you know a nominee says you know you you deserved more um, is is going to resonate with those voters. Um, so I I not surprised at all by the populist tone. We've we've seen that for a while. Well, we heard another trope in this speech that has been part of the Trump message for a couple of days now, which is very direct appeal to African American voters. I remember one line that stuck out in particular to me was, what do you have to lose right. voting for me as opposed to voting uh, Democratic? Um, what do you think about that appeal? Uh, you know, I think he, he might have strayed from the script there a little bit. Uh, but, but very clearly, you know, you can't expect to win. As, as a presidential nominee, you can't expect to win Ohio, which is critical to the electoral calculation, without having decent percentages among African-American voters. Um, you know, you think of, of George W. Bush. Um, who had somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 15% with African-American voters in Ohio. And, you know, that's you know, still a very small percentage of African-American voters, but it's large enough that you can shift the statewide calculus. Um, and I think Donald Trump is, is starting to understand that he needs to be polling better than 2% with African-American voters. I was also fascinated by the inclusion of Latino voters um, in, in those, those pieces of the speech. Um, the, the same thing is true in, in other key swing states like Florida, um, where George W. Bush, again, didn't win the entire Latino vote, but did well enough just off the cuff, I, I want to say around 33%, that he was able to, to shift that electoral calculus. Um, well, that's a really important point, Alex, because in within each state, all the votes add up. So every vote you get, whether it's a minority of the minority or a majority of the majority, ends up to, to add up very well. You know, I'm a little bit skeptical of how many black or Hispanic votes Donald Trump will draw, but every one is, is a twofer, right? It's a, it's a vote for the Republicans and a minus vote 
uh, for the Democrats. But, you know, I didn't hear a lot in the speech, and correct me if you heard otherwise, and not a lot of appeal to women, which is another group that Donald Trump has had problems with. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with your read there. Um, not a lot in terms of um, direct appeals to women, as there were very clear overt direct appeals to African Americans and Latinos. Um, you know, even in the policy, um, there there weren't a lot of policies that, that kind of resonate with female voters, um, which is a group he's struggled with. Um, you know, we're seeing um, in the crosstabs he's not doing well with um, women, especially white women living in the suburbs that have college degrees. Uh, and, you know, that's that's a huge piece of the population um, and, and one that he, he has to do well with if he's going to be competitive in these states. Well, how did the crowd respond to this very populist speech? You know, there there were a few similarities between all, all three Trump events and uh, the crowd, you know, the crowd loves him no matter where he goes. Um, so the crowd was very enthusiastic. They were energized at, at the, the key points about, you know, raising the wages and he's going to fight for them. It was an interesting composition of the crowd. Um, you know, contrasting with, with when we saw him in Myrtle Beach with the Bliss Institute, uh, you know, Myrtle Beach retirement community, there's older voters there, and it was, it was a much older crowd, but it was also a much more crowded primary at the time in South Carolina. So perhaps perhaps the, the Trump electorate was a little bit different then. Um, here in Akron, it, it looked considerably younger, perhaps because we're on a college campus, uh, perhaps because, you know, we're in the general election now, but you were seeing kind of the... The college students and the young adults were out there with their Trump T-shirts, uh, their fitted caps on. So he's he's also struggled with young voters. Um, but if if the change in the composition of the crowds is any indication, he might be moving in the right direction there. Well, thank you very much, Alice, for giving us an on-the-ground report from the uh, Trump rally in Akron, as it happens on the University of Akron campus. No endorsement of the university, nope. by the way, nope. just a, a venue where many candidates have come in, in both political parties. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to The Bliss Angle, our podcast, and hope that you'll tune in next time. This is John Green for The Bliss Institute. Have a good evening. is more so determined on how they would lead after they are elected into office? Yeah, the, um, you know, campaigns are important because we provide choices and information to voters, but the most durable impacts are the impacts of governing. So let me just give you an example. Um, the economy has recovered under President Obama, and many people now have a, f a fairly favorable view of President Obama's job performance. And many of those people are inclined, who think, who see the economy as having recovered, they're inclined to vote Democratic. But of course, the economy has not recovered as rapidly as some people anticipated. And many of the people who are supporting Donald Trump are folks, rightly or wrongly, who believe that the economy has not recovered, at least for them. So the backdrop of the election is really what happened when President Obama was president. Now, it's a little different because he can't be on the ballot again, right? So it just, he has to try to transfer 
the positives to Secretary Clinton and try to avoid the negatives. So, so governing turns out to be really important uh, when it comes to how people vote. Yeah, I saw a tweet by Bill Crystal, and he actually said that one of uh, the good consequences coming out of Trump, because he was leading the Never Trump movement, and he said one of the good consequences coming out of this Trump candidacy is the Republicans don't look like they're the party of, Democrats look like they're more hawkish than Republicans now. I think that's true. And um, the and for some voters, that's a very, that's a very appealing thing. But uh, of course, it doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a if Ohio's any judge, and it, usually it's been a really good way to judge elections. I think it'll be a very close election, and um, we'll just see ultimately who can turn out the vote. If the election were held today, which it isn't, but if it were being held today, I would say that the Democrats have an advantage there, because Secretary Clinton has a good relationship with the local Democratic parties in Ohio. Uh, Donald Trump does not have a particularly good relationship with their Republican counterparts. But who knows what can happen by Election Day. Things may have changed. And we don't know how news events may affect uh, the election. Another terrorist attack, heaven forbid, some other kind of uh, event might uh, change a lot of minds. So I think uh, the campaign is well worth watching, but we're just in the initial innings of this ballgame. Yeah, and purely on anecdotal evidence, um, I feel like there's a lot of closet Trump supporters, and while Hillary Clinton has a lot of the media, like, she has a lot of, she has governors and state representatives and senators all behind her, and whereas Donald Trump, more people are hesitant, the party establishment's hesitant to back him, there's a lot of closet Trump supporters that could sway this election where we where the Democratic Party thinks that they have it in the bag, they'll easily win this. When Trump has a real chance of winning that they're not realizing. You know, because Donald Trump is such an unconventional candidate, it, he's very difficult to assess. And I think you're right. I think there are a group of um, closet Trump supporters, or another way to call it is po possible Trump supporters, maybe who are not entirely uh, ready to, to back him, but... Um, are not very happy with, with Secretary Clinton and very unhappy with the world in general. And, of course, that's part of what campaigns are about, is you, we make choices. And uh, it, many of those individuals are going to have to decide over the next um, 100 days or so, I guess it's less than that, more like 90 days yeah. now, um, about um, you know, what, what they're going to do. And you know, they could vote Democrat or Republican, they could vote for a minor party, or frankly, they could decide to stay home. And one of the things that uh, is interesting a lot of people is what will turnout look like when you have such high levels of negativity uh, with, with the major party candidates. Uh, we may see an unusually low turnout, um, which of course has its own impact. Yeah, um, I was reading how we, we've been paying attention to the horse race the entire time, but all that the only poll that matters is the poll that's taken on November 8th. That's right. Um, and you know we can make all kinds of predictions and all kinds of assumptions and all kinds of scenarios, but ultimately it's who turns out and votes and, and that'll determine the outcome. And who wants to make America great again? <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, letting me pick at your brain, Dr. Green. You uh, always are uh, have words of wisdom on what's going on in politics, so thank you so much. You're very welcome.